It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live from Armory Studios in Central Florida, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Drop all gas, no break. And now, give it up for your hosts, CJ, Kevin, Jimmy, and Harrison. Take it away, boys. What's going on, Jet fans? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I am your host, CJ the Painkiller Simone. And tonight I will be flying solo as Kevin Jackson is uh, currently unavailable at the moment right now. Uh, He is currently up in New York uh, attending a family funeral. So thoughts and prayers are with him and his family through this difficult time. So nevertheless, I will be here to take you on tonight's journey as we talk a little bit more about free agency, the draft, all that good stuff, and pretty much my random thoughts. If you guys have any comments or any questions that you'd like me to get on the air, please by all means type them in the chat. Unfortunately, with the way that StreamYard is set up for the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, I cannot display your questions on the screen like we do during mission briefs or like we do during um, Weapons Hot After Dark. So, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, we we work around it, but I promise you, if you guys put... Uh, Comments or questions on the air, I definitely will get them out to you guys. Alright, so, that being said, let's get on with tonight's show. Obviously, like I said, we're going to start talking about free agency in the draft. Um, got a few pretty much important dates that I wanted to share with you guys real quick. And again, I appreciate everybody who's tuning in tonight. Trying to do producer duties and also host duties, which is always fun. So... A lot of people, when they look at free agency in the draft, they're all kind of talking about what different dates should Jet fans be on the lookout. Well, March 1st, the NFL Scouting Combine that goes from the first, between the 1st to the 7th. Uh, March 8th, prior to 4 p.m. New York time, deadline for clubs to designate franchise or transition players. So obviously, anybody who's getting tagged, it's just going to end up coming through that way. We'll get the list of everyone who is going to be tagged or about to be tagged. I'm sure the New York Jets have a couple of people that Joe Douglas may or may not feel enticed to use the franchise tag on or the transitional tag. I don't believe the transitional tag really applies, but it's more so the franchise tag. So it's going to be very interesting to see what clubs are going to tag what players. And again, all eyes are going to be on football teams that are currently over the salary cap that currently have to dump salary and maybe have to renegotiate contracts. Scott Cleesby, if you're listening, the guys are not here tonight. Um, I know you're trying to private message me during the chat. Unfortunately, I can't really answer you right now. So go to the Facebook page. You can catch us and then be sure to type your answers in the box over there. Now, getting back to what I was saying, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams that are currently over the, the NFL salary cap threshold that have to get under the threshold before the start of the new year. I believe they actually changed the deadline to March 8th. So right around the same time of the franchise tag, teams have to already have been underneath the cap for some time. I don't know the exact date as it is as it is not listed here. But 
you know, there's still some very interesting decisions that need to be made around the league. There's going to be some surprise names that are probably going to end up getting cut. I'm not really sure who those people are or how, in relativity, they may end up affecting what the New York Jets do in free agency. So, shout out to Johnny Rodriguez, chiming in. Guy Fisher in the chat, thank you so much. Yes, it is. Scott Kalisby already starting calling me a Kool-Aid drinker. Not tonight, kid. Uh, Natasha Lesh in the chat. Hello, thank you for joining us as always. So, one of the things, again, another date, March 4th, uh, 14th through 16th, during that period at 12 noon, uh, clubs are actually permitted to contact and enter contract negotiation with the agents of players who will become unrestricted free agents upon the expiration of their 2021 player contracts at 4 p.m. So, what do we talk about? We always talk about the legal tampering period, right? So, this is something else. Anybody who is uh, in the chat, if you guys wouldn't mind sharing the show for me, I would really appreciate it. Try and get the word out. If you know anybody who'd be interested in listening to tonight's show, uh, definitely, you know, pot, uh, uh, share the show to whatever groups or uh, whatever fans you guys want to, whatever fans you think would be uh, interested in in tonight's broadcast. As I'm going to be talking about a lot of things. I, I don't really have a singular subject on the agenda. I don't really have a plethora of topics that I would like to cover on tonight's episode of Weapons Hot. Just more so, I really just want to sit tonight and just have a conversation about the offseason and free agency in the draft. And I also have some thoughts about free agency in the draft and about the New York Jets organization as a whole that I want to put out there into the ether because I've been carrying this in for a little bit, really did not know exactly how I wanted to verbalize such feelings. But tonight, I'm going to do my best here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. March 16th, that's the date the calendar flips over and starts the brand new NFL calendar year. So everybody's got that date circled, the day before uh, St. Patrick's Day. So I'm sure everybody's going to be celebrating that and also St. Patrick's Day as well. So, and then after that, March 27th through the 30th, is the annual league meeting where the owners get together in Palm Beach. April 4th, clubs that have hired a new head coach at the end of the 2021 season can begin off-season workout programs. This is interesting. So all of those teams that lost coaches in 2021 that fired guys, all of those new people that got hired, they actually get the opportunity at this point to kind of bring everybody in, kind of stockpile and see exactly what they have in the cupboard. What moves are they going to make? What moves are they not going to make? And kind of get to know their players, and their and the players will get to know their coaching staffs and so on. Get the handout playbooks and good stuff. So another one there, April eighteenth. This is another interesting date that I want to put out there. April fourth, brand new head coaches are allowed to start OTAs and so on and so forth. But April eighteenth, that's a completely different story. Established coaches in the league have to wait until then in order to open their offseason program. So it's almost like the new guys are getting a little bit of a, a of a, a leg up. You know, they're getting an opportunity to hit the hit the ground running. Guy Fisher and Natasha Lesh, Scott Kleesby, thank you again for sharing the show. So in other words, you want to give out another 30, one-year deal for mediocre players, I'm all for it too. No, Scott, that's not what I want to do. Pay attention, calm down, dial it back a little bit, clean your ears out, and listen to what I want to say, Okay. And then maybe by the end of tonight's broadcast, you'll see the angle that I'm coming through instead of your typical, oh, CJ putting the green and white goggles on and being the typical Kool-Aid drinker. 
No, that's not it. So, patience, my friend, patience. So, I know that's hard for you, but patience, okay? So, moving on. April 20th, the deadline for to bring draft-eligible players to their facilities for, this, for physical examination. This is where the Jets coaching staff and trainers will get the opportunity to start bringing in guys from the draft themselves, okay, that actually may or may not be guys that they're bringing in, but they get to talk to them. They, you know, like Kayvon Thibodeau. All right, we'll use him as an example. He's a name that's been thrown around. Tackle Neal, his name is another one that's been thrown around. All right, Matt Corral, he's another guy. His name has been thrown around, right? So teams that are potentially looking at this guy or potentially looking at these kids will get the opportunity for these kids to come and visit their facilities, get to ask some questions, show them around. So, so they get they kind of get a flavor of the, of the situation for each team. So... There may or may not be some backdoor deals going on. There may or may not be some backdoor handshake deals going on. You never know, all right? So I'm not going to speculate. After a while, it's like when you bring the players in, you want to see that player's reaction. You know, each and every week, once we get into the month of April, once they get out of the uh, the scouting combine, even during the combine, the combine going off for how many days? What is it, seven days, right? These kids are going to be poked and prodded. They're going to be asked a ton of different questions. They're going to be asked to do a ton of different things while they're in Indianapolis, okay? And the reason being is because 32 teams are going to want to see how said player is going to react under specific circumstances, how they're going to react during the question and answer process, how they're going to react not only during the physical program, but also during the interviews. There's going to be questions. There's going to be a ton of different questions that are going to be thrown at them. How, how are kids going to react? All right, let's let's rewind like three years ago when the Jets drafted Ja'Kai Polite, right? Completely lost it during the compound. That ended up knocking his draft down. He was a guy coming out of the University of Florida. People were talking that he was going to be a first-round pick. And he ended up not getting picked until the, uh, un, until the end of the third round, I think, that, uh, that the Jets ended up picking him up. The mental status, also the physical status of the combine and how they react to specific situations it's not a comfortable process. It's not like they're coming in with the, with the cart, with the pillows and the towels and the bonbons and, oh, Mr. Thibodeau, can I take your coat for you? Oh, Mr. Neal, would you like a mimosa this evening? There's none of that. There's going to be questions out the ass. They're going to be asked 50,000 things. There's stuff that's going to be put out there. There's going to be stuff that's not going to be put out there. Stuff that's going to be made up to reactionary to see exactly how a player reacts. So there's a lot of stuff. It's not just the physical skills. It's also what's between the ears up here and whether or not in here they have the fortitude and how much they want it. So picture it this way. You're going to a job interview, right? So if you're a guy, you're picking out that suit. You're making sure your pants are pressed. You're making sure your shirt is pressed. You're picking out the tie. You're picking out the sport coat. You're picking out the shoes. You're making sure your shoes are polished. Except if you're in the case of Scott Kalispe, where you just walk in in shorts and flip-flops and a pair of underwear on your head. So picture a seven-day job interview. That's exactly what these draftees are going into. Everybody who enters the NFL draft, it doesn't matter whether you go to a Division I school, whether you go to a Division III school. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're some, like, tight end out of high school who just said, you know what, I'm, I'm declaring for the NFL draft as an independent or whatever. They don't care where you've been. They don't care what school you went to or whatever. You got a job interview with 32 clubs for a full six to seven days to see how you react under specific situations and under pressure. That's what the scouting combine is. 
I like to call it the Underwear Olympics. I personally think it's a joke. I think it, uh, I think it shouldn't be televised. I think if you want to watch YouTube clips on it, if people want to record it. But there are guys out there that sit there and camp out in front of the TV for five days on end, watching every friggin' player that walks through the gate. And they're doing their mock drafts, and they're this, and they're doing that, and they're doing the other thing. Hey, good for you. If that's your thing, God bless. Hey, knock yourself out. Me, I'm not that guy. Sorry to say. <laughs> Don't worry, Nat. I promise you. I will tell you. So she's probably looking at my, my oversized beanie baby that's over there in the, in, in the corner there. Yes, it's an actual beanie baby. Yeah, that thing is actually pretty cool. So, <laughs> right. Nevertheless, that's what your scouting combine is, right? Now, we talked about all the other dates, all right? Franchise tags, transition, transitional tags by this time. Talked about it a couple of seconds ago. Teams that are, like, ridiculously over the salary cap, they have to dump salary between now and then. And they have to make sure that they're under the salary cap and, de- and designate whoever it is they're going to franchise tag. And you know what? There's probably going to be some big names that are going to end up not being tagged at all. Like, one of the dudes over there, the, the tight end from Dallas um, that I like, Schultz, that kid. There was talk originally that the Dallas Cowboys were going to franchise him and he was not going to hit the open market. But now there's a lot of stories coming out that they may not be able to do so. They may not be able to, to uh, hit him with the franchise tag because there's something like 24, 26 million over the cap. And the franchise tag for him is like, for, for, for the tight end, it's got to be like, I think it's like 10.6 million or, or something to that effect for the franchise tag tender. So there's going to be a lot of economics going on, not just with teams that are over the cap, but also teams that are under the cap. Because they're going to get the opportunity to take a good, hard, long look at the roster. Look at the results that they produced last year. Look at the film on every guy that you have in that building. And then every single person is going, is, you're going to sit down with your GM, your coaching staff. You guys are going to have meetings about every single person that's currently on your roster. All right, as to whether or not they're going to be a participant for 2022 or not. And I know Scott wants to bring up, yeah, let's go, let, let's go sign another 60 guys to one-year prove-it deals uh, because that worked out so well over the past couple of years. Look, this is the reason why Joe Douglas is signing these one-year show-me deals, dude. And Scott, I'm talking to you, so you better open your ears and you better listen. Have the New York Jets been a successful franchise over the past decade? No. Have the New York Jets have, a winning, have had a winning season over the past decade? Once. Maybe. No, the 10-6 and six record when Todd Bowles was head coach. That's it. Besides that season, when was the last winning season that they had? I know I can't remember because we've been stuck in perpetual 4-12 and 5-11 and and hell. So, here's the deal. Why are NFL free agents going to want to play for the New York Jets? Tell me. You know why they're not going to want to play for the New York Jets? Because this team sucks. That's why. So, Joe Douglas is going to give a one-year prove-it deal to a guy who's actually going to come here... Who's going to see the facility, who's going to see the team, who's going to see the vision that Joe Doug, who's going to get to talk to Robert Sala, and they're going to get the opportunity to prove whether or not they want to be a part of the future, they want to be a part of the process of building competitive sustainability within Foreign Park, New York, or if they're just going to be another guy who's just going to come in here and collect a paycheck and shut it down. That's where the jet tax comes in, right? We all talk about it, the jet tax, oh. You go into a supermarket and the Patriots could buy a loaf of bread for $1.50, but the Jets buy a loaf of bread, they got to pay $5. Why? Because it's the Jets. That's a ridiculous mentality. That's a ridiculous notion that floats around the NFL. 
and it's asinine. They come here and they, they prove, do you want to be a part of the process? Now, have we seen many players get to their second uh, contract New York Jets? So far, only John Franklin Myers. Another big test is going to be Quentin Williams. Guys are going to come in here, they're going to come in, they're going to fill a specific need, and do you want to be here? From players that have signed contracts that have actually come back to the New York Jets, the reason why they've come back to the New York Jets is because they want to be here. They see what Robert Sala is building. They see what Joe Douglas is building. They believe in the process, and they see that the program is actually moving forward. So these are the reasons why you get the one-year prove-it deals. Mostly your one-year prove-it deals are guys that are going to be role players. They're not guys that you're expecting to be stalwarts in your team's foundation. They're organizational pieces that when they, can, when they break down, you can replace them with somebody else. Let's go to the comments here. 22 wins in the last five years. Guy Fisher in there for Rex Ryan. He answered my question for Dodd Bold, for uh, Todd Bold's with the last uh, winning season that we had. So Scott Kalisby with that was awesome. I'm sure it was. Kansas City is also a team that's a little bit over the cap that they're going to have to do some maneuvering. Dallas, the Packers are going to have to do that. I've tried to make you a lot of money. I don't. Uh, unfortunately, I don't bet. I don't have the money to bet. If I did, then you probably would have made me a lot of money. So now to your answer for prove it, then prove it, then leave. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, then they do leave. Okay. You proved that you could come in and actually last for 16 seasons and then go, go someplace else and suck. So how'd that work out? When you're trying to build a real team, sometimes you have to overpay somebody. It depends on what position you're willing to overpay. It depends. If you're bidding on a free agent and you have an offer and the New England Patriots come in and they're going to offer that player 30% more than what you're offering, and then if it means that the Jets have to go up to 35 or 40%, then you do it. If you believe in your heart and in your soul that this player can legitimately come in here and help this franchise, then you overpay. But if not, you're just throwing more good money after bad, Scott. That's all it is. Joe Douglas is trying to change the culture on all levels, and I like it. Guy Fisher in the chat, thank you again. It stops when you draft well and do sign some players. That's what the Jets are trying to do. They're trying to build through the draft and supplement through free agency. That's why... 2020's draft class was a complete disaster. 2021's draft class is still a big giant question mark other than AVT for right now. Okay, so the Jets have a lot of draft ammunition right now. They have a lot of cap space with the potential. I think right now they have 48 million and they have the potential to reach over 70 million. That's what they have. They have the potential to reach over $70 million in cap space if they renegotiate players if they release players, some players on expiring contracts, there's a lot of dead money coming off the books that the New York Jets are going to benefit from. So there's moves that can be made. Do they need to go out and spend like drunken sailors? No, they do not. You can build a competitive football team through the draft and through free agency and be smart about it. It may not be the shiny new toys that everybody wants, but if you get enough guys to come in here that will buy into this philosophy, that want to come here and be successful, then that's what you do. You have to find a way to make it work. This is the reason why this offseason is so critical for the New York Jets. Moving on with comments. You can't be mad at these players. They only have a limited time to make as much money as they can. So if you want to get good to great players, you have to overpay sometimes. Nobody is saying anything about not wanting to overpay, Scott. 
It depends if it's a position of need. You were the first one who had said, oh, they should have went after Mitch Morse. They should have went after a couple of other offensive linemen last year. And the year before that, when they ended up signing the Conor McGoverns and the Greg Van Rottens of the world. We were all like, can we stop with the bargain basement shopping, right? That's what we talked about. Let's stop with the bargain basement shopping. Let's go and actually dip our toe into the water with the shark. Catch one of them. But then it all depends on whether or not said player wants to come and play for you. When you bring them in, I know the running joke is whenever you, whenever you invite a player in, a free agent to your building, you lock the door. Once they come into the building, you lock the door and you don't let that player leave without a contract. What if that player is not a good fit? That's what happened with Indomitian Sue. When Mike McCagnan was friggin' general manager, right? He went out and he made a backdoor deal with Indomitian Sue. Chris Johnson yanked it right off the table. Because he basically was using the Jets to try and leverage more money out wherever the hell he was. Maybe somebody should have went and talked to him about the Anthony Barr situation who did exactly the same thing. Had agreed in principle to a contract and then went to the Minnesota Vikings and said, well, this is what the Jets are going to pay me. And he used the Jets to get more money. We've seen players do it all the time. Joe Douglas is not going to allow that to happen. He hasn't allowed it for the past two years. And he's not going to allow it this year. Back to the chat. CJ, what starters are coming back after injuries next season? Carl Lawson, Sherwood. Sherwood, uh, LaMarcus Joyner. I don't think LaMarcus Joyner is coming back. Uh, Jamie and Sherwood. It all depends on his health and whether or not he could have a solid training camp. Carl Lawson. Definitely all eyes are going to be on him because he, he was paid to be the Jets pass rusher. The Jets are still going to have to address that need. Either they address it in free agency or they address it in the draft. If I were the Jets, I'd address it in both. Because as far as I'm concerned, you can never have enough of a you can never have enough pass rushers on your squad. Because if your main guy goes down, you need to have somebody else to come in and be a disruptor. And that's what the Jets' defensive line was missing last year. Jeff Albrick, he's another guy too that you have to go and you have to take a look that he needs to step up as a defensive coordinator. That his unit needs to be able to sustain the success. Not have it at the beginning of the year and and have it tail off toward the end of the year where we couldn't stop a nosebleed. He needs to be consistent. These guys, when they step on the field, they need to be consistent. And they weren't. The Jets were great defensively at the beginning of the season because the defense was keeping their offense in games. And then when the offense started clicking, the defense was nowhere to be found. I agree, but you have to hit on more than half your picks. Only hitting on three or four players, the draft isn't going to get the job done. That's from Scott Cleesby. Yeah, no kidding. Hence the reason why there's so much emphasis on this year's draft, as well as this year's free agency class, where Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have to get it right. Because if they don't, if they whiff on the amount of picks that they have and the amount of cap space that they have, it could take the Jets another two to three years after Joe Douglas leaves to still end up to still end up uh, trying to achieve competitive sustainability. That's why this se- this offseason, like every friggin' offseason, is always critical. Our offensive line has to be addressed. Yep, Guy Fisher in the chat. These players want to go to a win-now team. That's another thing, too. Free agents are going to be enticed. They're going to be more adept to go to a team that may be knocking on the door, like a Buffalo Bills, like the New England Patriots, okay? There's a lot of football free agents that are going to go out there, and they're going to look to weigh their options. There are some people that may want to go to Tennessee, although Tennessee is over the cap by a few million. All right, they have to get on. They have to get onto the million. 
There are players that would maybe want to go to the Packers. There are players that want to go to the Bucs. There are players that are still going to want to go to the Rams. They just want a Super Bowl. Everybody wants to play for a winning franchise. So free agency is incredibly tricky. And this is why I tell people all the time, stop being jaded and complacent with the damn going out there and getting the shiny new toys. And oh, if, the, if Joe Douglas does, that's actually going to be my, my rant for tonight. Everything with the New York Jets organization is always, if this doesn't happen perfectly, it is a complete catastrophic failure. That mindset, that attitude, that mantra, that bullshit needs to stop and stop now. And you know where it needs to stop? It needs to stop with you, the fan base. You idiots that take to Twitter and Facebook all the time and act like you think you know more than the people at ESPN and the people running the franchise. That's where it needs to stop. If Joe Douglas doesn't sign this player, this guy sucks. If Joe Douglas doesn't draft this guy's player, he should be fired immediately. How do you know that said player is a good fit for the system? How do you know that said player is going to come over here and he's actually going to perform? Did you ever think about that? Before you type it, you keyboard warriors? How much tape do you sit in your mother's basement and watch all all the time? Tape doesn't tell the whole story. The guy could be great on tape and could complete. It could be a complete asshole when it comes to the combine, when it comes to the interviews, when it comes to the free agency process, whatever. The last thing that you want to do is going to bring a player in here that's going to be a cancer in your locker room. But everybody got to listen to him because he's getting paid $56 million. He's the star player. Woo. Right, thanks to you idiots. We have to stop collectively as a fan base with this if, this, if Joe Douglas doesn't select this player, or Joe Douglas doesn't select that player, or Joe Douglas doesn't make a trade to get this guy, or Joe Douglas doesn't make a trade to get that guy, or Joe Douglas doesn't do this, or Robert Sala doesn't do that, that everything is a catastrophic, sky-is-falling failure. Because you know what? Good football teams don't act like that. Let me say it louder for the people in the back. Good football teams do not do stuff like that. And do you know why? Because if a guy doesn't work here, they, t- they cut him and they move on to the next one. They don't sit there and cry over spilt milk. If the Jets organization was holding a glass of milk and like half of it spilled out onto the floor, they would spend the next five years crying about the spilt milk instead of going to get a friggin' paper towel, cleaning up the mess, and going and, going and doing something else. It's a joke. You've got to stop with that mindset. You've got to stop with that loser mindset. You know why? Because that's why the rest of the NFL fan bases laugh at us. Because we have that mindset. We can't get that mindset out. And don't hand me the PTSD. I've been a fan of this team for 60 years. I've I've been a fan of this team over 45 years. All right, stop it. This is why I'm hands off. This is why I tell it like it is and I tell it how I feel. And I don't care who likes it. Because if you came listening to this show to get sunshine and rainbows blown up your ass, you came to the wrong place, bud. You're not going to get it on this show. Despite what Scott Kalisby tells you. Scott Kalisby's comment, our offensive line needs to be addressed. I think I addressed that comment. These players want to go to a win-now team. I think I addressed that comment. Jeff Stenberg in the chat, thank you for joining us tonight. Good to see the factory of sadness still going strong. All day, every day, brother. It is what it is. Guy Fisherson, Muhammad Wilkerson, Jamal Adams, and Leo. Yeah, I get it. We, we've had a plethora of bad draft picks that have come through. Guys that we have all put our stock in, that we've all put our hopes on. We've pinned the hopes upon the shoulders of this one human being that's supposed to come in and act like the Messiah. 
right? Everybody's waiting for the Mark Messier of football to come walking through the doors at Florham Park and say, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Shit don't work like that. And if you think that it works like that, I think maybe you need to reevaluate. So, and don't hand me teams like the Bucks. And don't hand me teams like the Rams that go and spent all this money in draft capital and so on to win a Super Bowl. Do you want to win one Super Bowl or do you want to win multiple? Because right now, Joe Douglas is just trying to make this football team competitive so they're not as painful to watch every friggin' Sunday. Let's start there. That's what this past season was supposed to be all about. Let's learn how to win games. Let's learn how to crawl before we run. No, we're going to win 12 wins. We're going to go 15 and 2. We're going to win the division. Where are, you, where are all you assholes now? It's a joke. Got to stop. But anyhow, here's another thing, too. I just got finished saying it. Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, very critical offseason. Because with the assets that the New York Jets have at their disposal this season, right now, if you even to 75 to 80% accomplish your mission and get players in here that could be instant impact players and can go ahead and can actually come out, start to perform, you really start to hit, you really start to hit your stride. Maybe the Jets end up winning seven, eight games next year with a more difficult schedule than they had last year. Then you start to build something. You start to build a little bit of credibility where those top-tier free agents that wouldn't even look at you are now like, hmm, you know what? Them Jets, man, I tell you, they're, they're making some noise over there. I might need to go in and, 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 and talk to them right there, you know? This is the reason why rebuilding sucks. And when you have a guy who comes in who thinks they know what they're doing for rebuilding, and then the next guy comes in and tears up what the guy before him did, because he has a different plan, and then you fire him, and you bring in another idiot who's going to go and tear up the pieces from the last two regimes. Now six, seven years have gone by. Now you've got an angry fan base, and they're pissed off because they haven't had a winning season. But that's okay. We're great. Just keep smashing that reset button. If it were up to Jet fans, we would recycle coaches like I recycle underwear. Every two, three games, everybody would be getting fired, and we'd bring another bozo in. And you all know it's true. If you continue to live in the past, then you're not going to be able to appreciate us picking ourselves up out of the mud and actually being a respectable football team. And it doesn't just apply to football. It applies to every single situation. Rocky said it to his son on the movie Rocky Balboa. Life's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit, get up, and keep moving forward. It's about moving forward. The Jets have to move forward. This is the time where they pick themselves up out of the dirt and they have to move forward. Whether it results in six wins, eight wins, ten wins, whatever. Take the goddamn step forward. That's all we're asking. All right. Back to the comments over here. Guy Fisher, we need a Braylon Edwards or a Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, we do need a legit number one wide receiver. And whether we acquire one by trade or we go out and we sign one in free agency or we try to draft one in the draft, all right, we need a number one free agency because you know what? Corey Davis sucked balls. He wasn't worth the contract that he got signed. And I don't give a damn that he was hurt and all this other stuff and he had the drops and whatever. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I don't want he has to come in here next year with a chip on his shoulder and prove to not only himself, but to the franchise and to the fan base that he could be the guy. Because right now, he can't do shit. That man's lucky he could find his ass without a GPS. Let alone catch a football. 
Brian Friedman, watching from, from the ATL. Appreciate you joining in. Guy Fisher on defense. Brian Cox, John Abrams, Bart Scott, Revis. Zach Wilson is on board. He just needs protection and weapons, reliable weapons. Guts that stay healthy. Guts is probably going to be guts. Yeah, of course. But when guys go down, you also need a, a, another guy behind him that could step in and, and, and play the role. This is the reason why everybody's pissing and moaning about Braxton Berrios. Oh, Braxton Berrios wants $9 million a year. <laughs> You're not going to pay $9 million a year to a guy who's number four on your depth chart. He's probably going to ask for this. The Jets are probably going to offer him this. And they got to meet in the middle. They got to meet in the middle. One, you're going to pay him 15 for a guy who's fourth on your depth chart? All right, now getting back into the chats again. Jets in the same boat as the Falcons. We both suck and have added the luxury of being in cap jail. Yeah, Brian, it's the truth, bro. But you know what? The thing is, is that Joe Douglas is trying to not make the Jets suck anymore. All right, and I hope maybe maybe Atlanta, maybe your your ownership of your front office will... Uh, hopefully try to do the same thing down there. You should see the Falcons wheeling and dealing. Grady Jarrett available. Ridley is available. It's funny that you mentioned Calvin Ridley. Because you know what? Jackson and I talked about this last week. About whether or not we would take a flyer on Calvin Ridley or not. And here's the thing. I admire the man that he took a year off to work on his mental health. I admire the fact that he took the time off to actually look himself in the mirror and go and say, I need help. Because you know what? As somebody who suffers from mental illness themselves, right here, I ain't pulling no punches. I'm, we're, we're about to have a really uncomfortable conversation right now. I suffer from it. I struggle with it every day. Depression, anxiety. I wear this right here. Break the silence. Shout out to Mr. Tyson Roush and everything that he does to, over at Let's Talk Jets. And let's talk mental health to raise, to, to raise awareness. To end the stigma. It's no joke. Mental health is no joke. I could not even imagine the pressure that these players are under. Not just the physical pressure to perform. But just the outside pressures that they probably have to deal with. Trying to keep their, their private lives private. Trying to take care of their families. Not just their wives and their children, but also their parents as well. And then you know you got the posse you got to support. Because everybody got to have a posse. I don't know why. I don't know what the hell the, the, the process, the, what the hell the purpose of. But everybody got to have a posse. So you got to take care of them. There's a lot of mental strain that goes along with that. There's a, the, the players are human beings. Brian, <laughs> comment of the night. They, the players, are human beings. The comment of the night, congratulations. They're human beings. Just like you, just like me. When I'm sad, I want to cry. When I'm happy, I want to laugh, I want to rejoice. When I'm frustrated, I want to smash shit. It's not fun. Every day is a struggle. So for him to actually remove himself from the football arena to say, I have a problem and I need help and I need to fix myself, I applaud him for it. So now, as I transition back into football, when Joe Douglas is looking at that, as commendable as Calvin Ridley has, has been for taking that time off to work on himself, as a general manager running a business, you have to ask yourself if this person is 100% committed to football. And that's not a knock. That's not saying the person is mentally strong. 
What if the Jets go and deal significant assets to him to Atlanta and they acquire him? Goes through OTAs, goes through training camp and so on, and three games into the season says, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Now what? Now you have a player that you brought in who you who you hoped was going to come in and to help your franchise, right? Now all of a sudden, three games into the regular season, he says, I'm done. Hands in his retirement papers. I'm done. Now what? You've invested significant assets in that person, and now that basically just flushed down the toilet. This is the reason why Douglas goes for hungrier guys, bargain basement guys as we like to call them. Why? Because they're itching to get on the football field to prove that they can still play and compete at this level. That's what he wants. A lot of people don't realize that, like Scott Cleesby, okay? But here's the thing. If Joe Douglas is going to make a risk like that for a player of that caliber to improve your football team, you need to know that that person is 100% committed to you and being a part of this process to help elevate this football team. Because it's not just going to take him, it's going to take him and 52 other guys all on the same page, working their asses off to make a competitive product. If you're willing to make a significant investment in this player, then he better come here and deliver. Because as a Jets fan, I've watched a ton of contracts that we have dished out for players that have come over here and did this. Ah, I got paid. What do I need to do? Hey, I got paid. They keep they, they keep paying me. I signed my contract. It's all good. Ah, uh, uh, nah, I can't play. I got stubbed toe. Nah, nah, I can't play. My ass crack itches. So, I think I got some jock itch going on. I got some jock itch and I got some athlete's foot going on, coach. I can't play. Meanwhile, you just signed this bozo to a three-year, four-year, friggin' $50 million contract. That's just an example of what the New York Jets have had to deal with over the past decade when bringing high-priced free agents here, when overpaying to bring people here. C.J. Mosley, number one example. Dude was a beast for three and a half quarters. Pulled his groin. He wasn't the same after that. We lost him for an entire year. The following year, he opted out because of COVID. Sure, this year he came back and he actually played. But you saw the difference in the defense when he was in the game and when he was out of the game. And your defense and football team cannot revolve around one player on either side of the ball. You have to be able to function. Which means your starter has to be able to function. The backup behind him has to be able to function. And the backup to the backup has to be able to function. Because this game is a war of attrition. Now, going back to the comments, Guy Fisher in the chat, God bless your strength, CJ. Listen, I appreciate you, Guy. If it, if it wasn't for, for my friends and my family having my back, I wouldn't be here. Sounds like me watching us play. Yep, all day, every day. I do also read a book called Pro- Broken Crayon, Still Colored Dealing with men- Mental Illness. Guy, I praise you for still continuing to fight the good fight. His absence absolutely killed us, but his mental health comes first. Arthur Smith won seven games with a garbage of a roster. Arthur Smith is good. Yeah, he is. Listen, I said the same thing about Todd Bowles when Mike McCagnan literally stripped down the roster and gave Todd Bowles a bare-bones friggin' football team and they found a way to stumble into five wins. In a year, they legitimately should have went over. Guy Fisher mostly came back strong, but he doesn't have help. Hence why the linebacker position needs to be addressed. Many positions on this football team that need to be addressed. And all of the holds on this football team are not going to be addressed in one season. We addressed some last year. We're going to address more this year. Hopefully more because of the assets at our disposal. And then next year, we're going to be right back in the same boat. Where we're going to have other positions that we're going to have to upgrade. Or other holds that we're going to need to fill. 
Joe Douglas is a six-year contract for a reason because it's probably going to take six years for this team to be competitive, let alone sustainably competitive. But people already want to ratchet the heat onto Joe Douglas's ass and Robert Sala's ass, right? They don't need the heat from you. They put the heat on themselves at the end of the year press conference when Joe Douglas put himself on blast and put the entire organization on blast and said six wins in two years is unacceptable. What more do you want the guy to say? What does Joe Douglas need to say that's going to be beneficial to the fan base and to the general public that's going to put everybody's mind at ease? The man threw himself at the mercy of the court. And he's probably his own worst critic. Probably even more of a critic than you, than you, me, or everybody put together. Now, Brian Friedman back in the chat again. So many holds to be addressed. Do the Falcons and the Jets, we can totally relate with one another. Yeah, absolutely we can. Guy Fisher back in the, back in the chat again. I'm truly expecting Huff to perfect his game a little more this year because he did a better job against Chase than Ramsey did. Maybe, maybe not. Secondary is definitely going to be an area of need that the Jets are going to have to address. I've seen a couple of mock drafts in which have us taking a safety at four, having us take an offensive lineman at 10. I don't think that's a good idea because I don't, I don't think you take a safety or a cornerback in the first round unless you feel like he's the missing piece and you're an already competitive football team. But then you're talking about the lower half of the NFL draft order. Jets are always picking in the top half. We can't even find the middle of the road because we've been not bad. But I digress because we're just going to continue going round and round and talking the same crap over and over and over again. Let's just keep regurgitating. Oh, yeah, we weren't that bad at this position. Maybe we can let this slide. Oh, we weren't that bad at that position. Maybe we can let that slide. No, the New York Jets still need to revamp this roster, the entire 53-man roster. Zach Wilson needs to be a better quarterback next year than he was this year. The Jets still, in my opinion, need to bring in a veteran quarterback to assist with Zach Wilson. They should have brought in a veteran quarterback last year to start the first part of the season before the bye. But everybody got so excited by the shiny new toy. Let's see what he could do. Let's see what he could do. Ooh. How'd that work out? So go ahead. Refresh my memory. One in five, one in five don't look so good. I want guys that are going to come in here and are going to be proud to wear the green and white and they're going to play their asses off, not only for this team, not only for this franchise, but for the fan base as well. Build me a competitive product and I'll watch it. Build me a sustainably competitive product and I'll buy in. I'll guzzle the green and white Kool-Aid every friggin' day if I have to. But right now, I'm not buying into shit. Because as far as I'm concerned, this team ain't that much different from the team that Adam Gase fielded the year before. Because it's not good enough. That's why this team has been so bad for so long because we have to talk ourselves into free agents that we acquire that maybe they're a little bit better and maybe we got a diamond in the rough and maybe we did this and maybe we did that. We didn't get that. We got a football team that played hard for 17 games. That's what we got. If you want to talk about improvement from the year before, absolutely. They were what, 0-11 before they got their first win? Gase knew he was getting fired. Gase should have been fired after week four. But here's the thing. Regardless, whatever your conspiracy theory is, if Joe Douglas wanted him out of here, he should have fired him at the end of the year. Not waste a year. Instead, you know what he did? Drafted players that he wanted. And he still couldn't use them correctly. Hence the reason why LaMichael Piran's still on the bench. Hence the reason why Jabari Zuniga's still on the bench. And now they won't play here. Because Salah either won't put him in, or they're just not a fit for this system. Then cut your losses and let them go. 
Don't hand me at the end of the year. Oh, well, we haven't completely given up on the 2020 draft picks just yet. Cameron Clark had to retire. You want to point to Joe Douglas and you want to say he's had a spotty history of drafting? You have every right to do so because you know what? There's a lot of evidence to support that fact. Go and take a look at the entire 2020 draft class. Take a look at the 2021 draft class. And we got a couple of studs from, from that draft class. Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker, Michael Carter on the defensive side of the ball. There are some other players that that had a, a little a little impact. So yeah, they can be they can be good for something with another year underneath their belts. But I'm still not sold yet. Because what are you asking me to buy into? You're asking me to buy into a product that's not finished yet. It's like asking me to go to a car dealership and, and I'm, I'm looking at a frame and a couple of quarter panels. Hey, it may not be much now, but you know what? It's going to be a really great car. The hell out of you. So look, whatever side of the fence that you stand on, whether you're the green and white glasses, rah-rah, pom-pom waving, Joe Douglas can do no wrong corner, or you're like the Scott Cleesby's of the world that Joe Douglas is going to suck at everything until he shows you otherwise, or you could be where I sit, where I'm somewhere middle. Yeah, they showed progress, but it's still not enough. All the places they should have shown progress, they didn't, so I'm going to criticize them for it. So whatever side of the fence that you sit on, you're either going to look at this coming offseason and say, hey, we got an opportunity to do something really special here. Or you're just going to be like that other, you're, you're going to be that other side of the spectrum. The Jets are just going to find a way to screw it up anyway, so why even bother? And then you have your mix of fans sprinkled in. They can never draft anybody good in the second round. Yeah, they only stink. Why did we go and sign this guy in free agency? He stinks. You sign a guy in free agency based on what he did at his previous team, and you're hoping that he could replicate, if not improve upon the performance, when he gets here. That's why everybody was throwing a fit over DK Metcalf. All right, let me get back to the comments over here again. Thank you to everybody who's watching, who's commenting. Guy Fisher, he's got quite a few comments, so I'm going to read all of his first, and then we've got Brian Friedman's comment here. We need to shut down corner. Yeah, absolutely we do. We need two of them, not just one. Like I said earlier, we have money and draft picks in the top 40. We should have a good free agency. We hope. We hope. Mosley is talking to guys to help get us some good, solid guys. I believe it when I see it. Because you know what? Jamal Adams did the same thing. And then he turned into a little bitch when Le'Veon Bell was here and then didn't stick around. Bell ended up coming here and being trash. Because they expected him to be the bell cow back. And he shouldn't have been the bell cow back. They should have had more support for him. Adam Gase should have never been hired. Bro, preaching to the choir, bro. Marcus May got traded, question mark. I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about Marcus May being traded. If you know something that I don't, put it inside the box. Who did we trade him to and what did we get? A ham sandwich, a used jock strap, a bag of balls, maybe a couple pairs of slippers. So a couple of replaceable face masks for the front of the helmet. What? So a couple of N95 masks. I still believe Denzel Mims is going to be really something good. I'm sorry, I just feel it. Maybe someplace else, but not here. Scott Kalisby, somewhere Kevin and Jimmy are rubbing their face after your rant about having 10 or 12 wins. You punching them both in the face. If they are, they are. If they're not, they're not. That's their problem. I respect Jimmy's opinion. I respect Kevin's opinion. They both looked at the beginning of last year, during the offseason, looked at the schedule and said the Jets could benefit. Completely understand it. There was every reason to walk into this season and be optimistic. I was just optimistic the fact that Adam Gase was out of the building. I would have offered to go over there and do a friggin' seance or an exorcism to get rid of all the crap in the building. I would have burned the building to the ground if it would have helped. 
But it takes more than a natural act of God for this football team to be competitive. It actually takes players that actually want to come here and play. We saw a little bit of that last year. Which is something we didn't see two years ago. All I ask is show me something. That's all any of us are asking. Scott, wow! I'm not asking for seven Hall of Fame players, but come on. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to start with all the, whole, the hopes and dreams. Yeah, neither am I. So that might actually be the one in 1A comment. Blake McLaughlin in the chat. Thanks for tuning in, brother. Appreciate you. So let's start wrapping up this show. I'm going to give you my final thoughts. I'm just going to call final thoughts my segment. And just a sub-rant to the rant that I had before. We have to stop the mindset of thinking that if the Jets go out and get X player, or the Jets don't go out and sign Y player, or the Jets don't trade for Z player, that it's a complete and utter catastrophic failure. The expectations of this football team are so ridiculously low at this point in time that I don't know how in your right mind you could ask this team to do anything other than don't embarrass yourself on television. The Cleveland Browns, there was a fan who did a YouTube video years ago calling the Cleveland Browns their beautiful riverfront stadium a factory of sadness. You know what? The New York Jets are the factory of sadness. Do you know why they're the factory of sadness? Because of self-inflicted wounds. Because of trying to appease the fan base. Because of doing things to win the back page headlines of the New York Post and the Daily News and the New York Times when nobody should give two fucks about what they think. None. Zero. Zilch. Zip. Nada. Nothing. Because those back pages of the newspaper can be used for toilet paper. You don't win a Lombardi trophy in the offseason. You win it during the regular season. And you win it by being a competitive football team. And you're not going to be a competitive football team throwing good money after bad, signing free agents, coming to a team that maybe they don't want to come to, but they were the highest bidder, so they're going to be like, oh, hey, go Jets. And they come here and they underperform and they don't, they underperform and then the friggin', the fan base is screaming and yelling that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and everybody and their mother needs to be fired. Because said player came in here, saw a giant payday, was willing to bend the Jets over, got the contract that they asked for, and now they're just going to come here and take it easy. Stop it. Stop with that mindset. Stop with the mindset of wanting the shiny new toy that's going to come in here like the Marc Messier of football and save this franchise. It's not happening. Get that through your thick skulls, people. You know how this team is going to turn it around? This team is going to turn it around with hard work, guts, blood, Sweat, vomit, tears, and good coaching. Good, solid, consistent coaching. Nobody's going to come in here and friggin' wave wave a magic wand and everything's going to be better. Free agency doesn't work like that. Neither does the draft. So you know what? Build from the draft. Draft the best players that you can draft. And bring them into your system and help them grow. Let's try that for once. Do you know why teams like the Patriots and the Ravens, and the Steelers, and the Saints, and the 49ers, and the Packers are successful all the time. Now the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't go and buy their players. They develop them through the draft. They get players that fit their system. Within their system, they buy into their system, and they play their asses off. That's why they're competitive year after year after year. The NFL's a copycat league. So you can't copy one of these idiots? Figure out how to build a better football team? Just create your vision of it? It's not hard. That's all I'm saying. Think with your head and not your heart. 
I bleed green and white till the day I die. But I'm sorry, if it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck. Now, really quick, I want to get these comments on the air as we start wrapping things up here. Guy Fisher, I met a season ticket holder today at work. He thinks Zach sucks. I had to defend our quarterback. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Listen, not everybody's sold on Zach Wilson. And no one is going to be sold on Zach Wilson until Zach goes out there and can put together consistent showing after consistent showing after consistent showing and shows that he could be the guy. Plain and simple. Build from the inside out. JD preached it when he got the job. How's it going? It might not be sexy, but go draft two old linemen in the first round. Keep Zach out of the dirt. CJ, I know you know this. How did it work the last time we did that? A, a tackle who missed one play in his career and a center who was five years the best center of the league. Scott, I think that is actually the best comment of the night. Sorry, Brian. You had a great one. I'm still going to put yours 1A. Scott just one up you. Blake McLaughlin in the chat. Love Sala, love JD. Come at me. We had the best draft class ever. That's still yet to be determined, but they're on the right path. It could be a platypus. Scott, <laughs> Blake McLaughlin with the round of applause. No making fun, but a genuine question. Carl Falk in the chat. Thank you for joining us tonight. What has been the Jets' best win in the past few seasons? Like one you are impressed with. You know what, Carl? That's a great question. Bravo. I'd say the one question right now, I'd say the one game that really impressed me. If you're talking about for this year, the game that really impressed me was, it wasn't a win, no, it was a loss. And that was the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was the game that impressed me that Zach Wilson went out there with a bunch of backups and guys that were hurt and they almost beat the Bucs. Had it been for just a shitty play call on fourth and a yard and a half, Jets would have beaten the Bucs this year. The game that impressed me the most was Mike White's performance versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Because one of the things was we had all put our hope in Zach Wilson that he was going to be the guy when he got hurt during the New England game and the Jets lost that 54-10. The following week, the entire team was reeling. It was, it was, we didn't know how the team was going to respond. And to me, going out against a Cincinnati team who basically should have smacked you around from the moment that they walked in the door, the fact that they just came off a Super Bowl appearance this year, they should have absolutely whitewashed the Jets. The Jets had no business beating the Cincinnati Bengals on that day. That win was probably the most impressive win for me this season, was that one. Now, another honorable mention to the New York Jets versus the Tennessee Titans earlier in the year. Zach Wilson, under immense pressure. Derrick Henry in that game probably could have ran for 500 yards if he wanted to. But the Jets' defense bent but, but didn't break. And they were able to get a win in overtime. So, my first one would be the loss against Tampa Bay. Second one is the Cincinnati win. And the third one is definitely the Tennessee win. Blake McLaughlin in the chat. New England with Fitzpatrick and Bolds. Yeah, that's actually the last time the Jets beat New England. Scott Cleesby in the chat. It's when we have a bye week because we can't lose. Carl Falk back in the chat this year or back a couple of years. Well, I picked this year. If I had to go back a couple of years, Jesus, there's not many games that I could really look at over the past couple of years that I could look at the I could look at the Jets and I could be impressed. Because when finishing three and thirteen and four and twelve, five and eleven, there's really not a lot to cheer about. And there's really not a lot that went right for your football team. So it's really difficult to pick out a singular game. Now, if I'm going back to the, our playoff years, 08, 09, 09, 010, then obviously take your pick. You're talking about the, 
the Indianapolis Colts game where the Jets ended up forcing overtime and then they won it in overtime. The Jets beating New England in Foxborough, that was a huge game. There's some those seasons where you could look back and it would be hard to pick one out. But over the last decade, since we've fallen off the playoff wagon, not many games have really impressed me. This year, though, those are the three that I would I would honorable mention, if you want to call it that. Call Fork back in the chats. Your answer was good, especially with, with a new coach this year. I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you again for tuning in tonight. All right. So that's going to wrap it up. It's going to do it for tonight's episode for uh, of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. You're on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. Before I go any further, Weapons Hot will, in fact, have a brand new Twitter handle. I'm hoping to have that Twitter handle up and running by the start of the new calendar NFL year. So if you are following us on Twitter, keep an eye out for the new Twitter handle and be sure to make sure you follow that one. As once we try and get our followers switched over to the new one, the old ones we're gonna the old one we're gonna say bye-bye to. So once that gets released, I will definitely push it, promote it on every social media outlet that we have, on every show that we have, so that way everybody knows where they can follow us. So we could again continue to spread the word on Weapons Hot. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. I promise I will be more active on Twitter in the future. I'm trying. It's just really hard. And some days I have the patience for it, and some days I just don't. My partners in crime on the other side of the glass, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. And also honorable mention to Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy, who's, as we keep telling everyone else, he's taking a leave of absence for the show, but we still want people to follow him. Uh, he definitely does a bunch of great stuff with the Jets, so he's definitely worth the follow and also very entertaining as well. Now, main hub to catch weapons hot right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the app. If you have an Android, go to Google Play. If you have an iPhone, go to the iOS. Download the app. You can not only consume Weapons Hot, but the, also the other great shows on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, like the Ryan Hickey Show, the Off the Mat Show, which actually uh, came on before we took the air, and of course the Sports Loudmouths, which is on every Wednesday night and Thursday night with the president of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Mr. Errol Marks. So, Weapons Hot is a YouTube channel, home of the Weapons Hot After Dark Show. Be sure to go and like and subscribe. We're trying to get to 250 subscribers. We'd really appreciate it if you guys would help us out. I promise there'll be more content coming up in the, in the coming weeks on uh, the YouTube channel as we kind of have a little bit more flexibility as to what we can do and we can't do there. Also, every Tuesday night, you can catch yours truly. Solo segment called Weapon Top Mission Briefs on Jets World. If you're not already following that page, be sure to go right ahead and do so. And also, Weapon Top has a Facebook page. You could also interact with us there. Give us a like. Send us a message, message us a message, or write back. We love going back and forth with people about this team. Also, leave us some feedback about how you think we're doing here on Weapons Hot. If you think we're great and you love the show, awesome. Leave us a comment. If you think we suck and we know nothing about football, that's fine too. Drop us a comment as well. We'll troll back and forth with you because that's what we do. All right. So, with that, this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off for tonight. We'll see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. And, of course, I'm going to leave you guys tonight with still, in my opinion, the best chant in the National Football League. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.